survivors welcome back to another episode of 30 flirty and surviving this is your host tracy every monday at 9 a.m our new episodes you guys can listen on apple spotify iheart and check out some additional clips on youtube and on instagram at 30 flirty surviving today i have a familiar face for those of you that are from boston this entrepreneur has been around for many years and she started at the ripe old age of what 12 14 14. so she has been doing this for quite a long time I'm sure you guys are going to recognize her we are going to be talking all about her retail store that sells women's clothing and apparel she also has a couple other things in the mix and she's doing it all for a good cause so allow me to welcome Lindsay Riley to the show how are you I'm good thank you for having me i'm so good thank you for coming this is so exciting yeah are you i'm like are, are you sure you feel good are you nervous we're, we're no. like shake it off a little bit we're we good. haven't done media in a little bit but i'm ready to get back into good. it Good. well we're happy to have you here before we talk about you and everything you have going on i like to start with just a couple fun questions Let's to get it. the ball rolling so first and f- foremost i don't know i guess it's not the most important that makes it seem like it's the most important but it's not but where are you born and raised Born and raised in Quincy. Okay. And still in Quincy. Love that for you. <laughs> Quincy's a good spot, though. It's central. It's not quite the city in terms of rent and paying, but it's you can get there quickly. It's a good area. I like I Quincy. I say it's God's country. I try it's to make God's everyone move there. There's a little bit of everything. We have the marina. We have the beach. We yeah. have the golf course. We have the Blue Hills. Exactly. I mean, basically, what don't we have? I named my store after it, so it's okay. Do you have a favorite restaurant in Quincy? I have a few, but I think the one I I frequent at the most is Alba. Alba. See, I'm more so like in the summer because they have the roof. Absolutely. Which I really enjoy. I love Pearl and Lime. Have you been there before? I haven't been there yet, but it is right next door. It's so good. Give it a give it a try. I will. You won't regret it, I promise. I know. It depends on the season too, where you go in Quincy. It's like Absolutely. everyone has their hot spot during what season. Exactly. And it's you gotta go by. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, how old are you? I am thirty one. Yay! Old. Oh, stop it. I'm 31, so you I'm are. not going to stand for that, okay? We're so young. <laughs> exactly. That's more like it. What is your zodiac sign? I'm a Pisces, and this is Ooh. so funny that you had this on the list because every time I interview someone, I ask them right away what their zodiac sign It's crucial. And the girls always make fun of me. I'm like, it's Why? the best part because your sign says a lot about who you are. Absolutely. I think I've said it before on the show, but I think of it as like when you're taking a new job and they make you do those personality assessments or like when you're doing your career, you know, what career path you want to take in college and they make you do the disc assessments and stuff and you learn how to deal with certain people and how certain people think. And operate. Yes. It's like, I know how I'm going to approach a water sign versus a fire sign. Like they're just going to receive it differently. And so you're it's helpful. And you're either you're assigned to a T or you're not your sign at all. Yeah. Like I'm a Pisces through and through. Okay. And I'm always in La La Dreamland. And oh. I'm like, I need someone to ground me. I'm surprised that you would say that because I feel like you are so Well, on you gotta top learn. You gotta yeah. learn like I'm like, oh, and that's who I am. Okay, no, like I gotta like figure out how to compliment that. Yeah, but you know what? It's also really great for your creativity too. So Always on to the next business. Yes, yes. What is your relationship status? Single. How do you feel about being single at 31? I think it's an interesting time where you see all your friends settling down, having kids, parents are getting older. I think there's a lot of pressure around it, but I also am so busy and where the business is today. I can't, I don't know how I would do it all, but I guess everything in due time and I really trust the process, so... That's how I feel. You can't rush it at all. I'd rather have done all the things I've done up until now. And now I'm grounded and settled. And now it's just, we'll wait and see. Yes. Okay. And I have a fun last little get to know you question. I'm curious with your fashion background and expertise, (laughs) 
How do you feel about the mini Ugg trend coming back in style? I mean, they're literally sold out from every website possible, which is shocking to me for the amount of years that people made fun of Uggs. Do you are you into it? Are you against it? I mean, let's be honest. I think everyone owns a pair because they're so comfortable. Yes. Are they the most beautiful things? Absolutely not. <laughs> but we're in a time where people love loungewear and love being on the go and working from home. So we're all for the comfort. We're not mm-hmm. for the style. You know what? Everyone's going to have a pair. So we're just on board with it. I yeah. I mean, I can I can co-sign it. I think exactly. We're all about comfy, casual these days. Absolutely. So you know, if the shoe fits. If the shoe fits. (laughs) Okay. So I, God, I'm trying to think about when we met, probably eight years ago. I don't even know. It was a long time ago. A long, long time ago. And we were just talking about this before we started recording, but I moved to LA for a bit. Then I just came back here to Boston. So of course, like, you know, haven't kept in touch consistently, but I've always seen you on social media and you have, it's just been one thing after the other, after the other. Um, But I've always been drawn to the fact that your passion for all these separate companies, these business entities that you have really have been about like giving back and, and doing good. And you're really involved in the communities that your, your locations are physically in. But I want to know, like, give me a little lens into the mind of (laughs) Lindsay and like what start with you being 14 years old and how you first got into this and decided you were going to go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, this story could write a whole book with it. Um, And one day we will. But I think it all started with I was doing sewing classes and, you know, I didn't like making clothes because they... I always I had OCD and I like nothing would be perfect. It wouldn't fit someone perfect. And I was so stressed out by it. So I started making handbags and people were like, well, I'd buy that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I come from like an entrepreneurial family and my best friend's mom was like, give me some of those. I'll put them in the salon. She starts selling them. I start making headbands. They start selling. And then next thing you know, I'm in college and I got the whole front page of the Patriot Ledger of this up and coming entrepreneur making handbags, the PGA tour reached out to us. I was like, I don't have to go to finish college. Like I can do this. And I was like, wow, everyone's loving what I'm doing. Maybe this is something. And this guy in Abington reached out to me and he was like, Hey, I own a warehouse in Abington. You should come take the front space. It's retail. And I'd love to help you out. And I was like, no guy wants to help a girl for free. Bye. And I hung up. No way. Yeah. And then after school, some family stuff happened. And I was like, you know what? I can't go to New York. I'm going to stay here. And then I called that guy back and I was like, so are you serious? And so at 22, I opened my first store in Abington, Mass, selling handbags. And I went around to all these boutiques. We put a town on the list and we picked three top boutiques. Me and my friend, she had a jewelry line. And we'd go and knock on these boutiques and say, hi, I'm Lindsay. I make all these bags in Massachusetts. We have a manufacturer in Fall River, Everett, the three gateway cities in Massachusetts. <laughs> and we are in 38 stores. And it was, you know, it was hard. It was exciting. What else? My mom's like, you're not opening a business. And I was like, mom, I'm single. I have nothing but a hundred dollar car payment. I'm doing this. Yeah. And she's like, all right, I can't, I can't fight you on this. <laughs> So we did it. And then, you know, it got to the point where it's like, you need to make money, you need to do something. And I had like this, my grandmother was very well known in Boston. And I like, went to bed when I was like, Grandma, you got to give me something. I need something to do like big. And I came up with this American flag bag, um, which was the bravery bag. Mm -hmm. And that was something that really uh, paved the way for me, I think. And when we did that, we started aligning with the USO and we did this I Am Brave video with them and it was all aspects of the military. And for those who don't know, the USO was active duty military. So they boost morale in where active duty is in airports, on um, the ground, at battlefields, all around. And I just fell in love with what they did because if it wasn't for the men and women fighting for our country, we wouldn't have the freedom to live our dream. Yeah. And I truly believed in that. And so we partnered with them. 
And we held an event up at Granite Links and we sold a hundred bags. We raised $18,000 in two hours. And this bag just started blowing up everywhere. And it was, it was really cool when we started getting stories. And I, to me, it was just an American flag bag. And it portrayed who I am, which is bringing people together. And I kept getting email and story and story after this event. Uh, Lindsay, I was walking down the street and I saw this lady with the bravery bag. So I knew she had a story. So I went up and was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. What is your story? And they connected. They ended up going through the same thing and they got to help each other. And I was like, if I can do something as simple as that with a bag, what more can I do? And it was all these different nonprofits we worked with with that bag that we gave. Every time you bought the bag, we gave $10 to the nonprofit of the time. Um, And we did Mass Fallen Heroes. We went back to the USO and we did a couple more. And that grew into the next company, which was the Bravery brand. Wow. Okay. So that was a lot. That, no, I mean, it's great. It's, it's, I, it's such an inspiring story and thank you for all that you've done and being so charitable. Did you have a personal tie or a connection to the military or was that sort of just your way to, you know, say thank you? I think it was a mix of things. One, it was the dream when it you wouldn't be able to live the dream if it wasn't for our military. I had mm-hmm. a lot of guy friends who helped me out that were active duty. Um, my grandparents were also um, in the military as well. But I think it's just the more grand scheme of things. It's an American flag bag. And it was made here. All in yeah. Massachusetts. All sourced in America. And it was made in the three gateway cities. So it was just a beautiful story to tell and a beautiful product to sell yeah. when people wore it. So... After doing that for a while and seeing the success of it, you finally said, sorry, mom, I'm going to I'm going (laughs) to really go for it and I'm going to start my own business. So what was the first business venture that you really rather than just like creating the bags and sort of selling them at events or distributing them in other stores when you said, "Okay, I want to do this all myself? Mm -hmm. What was that like? At the time, it was just like I knew nothing else, and I was like, I have nothing to lose. So it was selling the Lindsay Tia handbags was the first thing, and mm-hmm. getting in those 38 stores was the first on our list. And then from there, it just grew within a year, very quick, very fast. And it got to the point where it's like, all right, what are we doing with this? Where are we going? What's the game plan? And the longevity of it, it was like so emotional. Yeah. That I was like, I either have to go really big, which I had no idea what that looked like, or take a step back. And that's where the cue kind of developed from. Yeah. I want to pivot to the cue, but before I do, I'm curious. You said you have a family that was sort of filled with entrepreneurs. Yes. Even though mom's advice was to not dive in, how did you lean on your family from their expertise and them having gone through it to help? propel you while you were getting started? So my grandparents, my grandmother was one of the first media women in Boston. She had her own TV show. Oh, wow. Um, And that's when the bravery bag was really born when she passed away. Everyone she helped and wrote about, they reached out to me. They're like, no time to be sad. You're designing the official bag for Boston Medical's Catwalk for Cancer. And that's how it came about was when that bravery bag was born. And then my grandfather owned a mill in Fall River, which is where we did all of our uh, manufacturing out of. So leaning on them for advice and what they did, Mm -hmm. but also the people in my community, everyone that believed in me, like everyone who gave me their time, I just always try to pay that forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. So now, I mean, you're not doing just headbands and bags anymore. No more. Now we have Shop the Cue, which I think every girl in this area has purchased from at some point or another. Talk to me about that. I mean, your passion for styling and clothing, like that had always been there. That's what is that originally what you went to school for? Yes, I went to LaSalle College and London College of Fashion for fashion merchandising. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it was a little frustrating for you at first figuring out like how to do sizing and everyone's body is different. When you finally decided to do Shop the Q, what maybe was a little bit, what did you tweak or, or change to make it successful and, and like, you know, promising for you sort of that time around yeah so I think 
during that time when we started the queue, there was no clothing options options in our area. And I was a young, I was 26 at the time. And I was like, there's no trendy professional clothing in the area. I always felt like I had to dress older older because yeah. no one took me seriously. I was a young girl. I was cute. I had this crazy energy. I was ready to go after anything. But everyone was like, oh, I can take advantage of her. She's so cute and young. She has no idea. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know that I had all the support behind me. So I always try to dress older. So when I was opening the store, I was like, we need something like this in the area that has trendy professional clothes and that's where I kind of started looking and building. But I always said, you know, when I do my next business, it's either all going to, I have the idea and it's all going to click and work and I'm supposed to do it or it's not going to click and work. And it all clicked in the weirdest situations that made it um, come to life. How did you secure the first brick and mortar location for the queue? That was a crazy story. I remember saying to one of my friends, I was like, I want to have this idea. I'm going to open a local style lounge. I'm going to open this store, the queue. And it's everyone in Quincy calls Quincy the queue. So usually it's the letter Q, but we did CUE like on point online. And we were looking and I was like, it has to be in Quincy. Quincy wasn't there yet. And I I was in this random building and I was like to our real estate guy, I was like, we just need to find something that looks like a New York City loft studio. I don't even care at this point. I have a following. I can make this work. Mm -hmm. And we were coming out of this weird office room and this lady walks out of nowhere and she was like, hey, I have this place in Dorchester. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) And she was like, no, I'm telling you, you need to go see it. And he was, Dave was like, just go look, just go look. We walk in and it was, it was all like wood floors, industrial New York City vibes and I was like I'll take it and did that sort of throw anything off for you not being in the location that you originally wanted how did you adjust to be in the Dorchester area instead I think we I truly believe that everything happens for a reason so when you walk in there and you felt the energy the energy was what sells me and when you see this beautiful space you have the Boston address it was kind of in between being in Boston and Southie or being in like Quincy or Milton. And I always knew that wasn't a forever place because I knew I wanted to be in Milton since I was a little girl, but I knew that this is where I needed to be right yeah. now. Yeah. And that it's was a good place to start. When did your team start growing? Cause I mean, you I'm sure were solo for a long time and, you know, get to pick the brains of other people. And you had a couple, you know, people backing you and supporting you, showing you different locations or offering you locations for the warehouses, et cetera. But starting to actually hire people like full-time or part-time, what was that like to give, to like loosen the reins and sort of give other people responsibilities for this business that was your baby? Yeah, I think that's something no one can teach you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think any entrepreneur knows, you know, handing your baby basically over and trusting someone else to do it and delegating versus doing yourself is one of the hardest struggles when you're starting out that you have to learn and be like, all right, well, I'm going to bring this person in and hopefully they care about it as much as I do. And hopefully they do what they're doing and hopefully they do all that. But at some point, I think you have to think of the bigger picture. And I was very lucky to have a bunch of mentors that guided me through the process, all the emotions of like letting someone into your baby. And I was so lucky to have really good first employees to really ground and pave the way for all everyone that came next and let me learn that I can trust people and I people will care about it as much as you care about it and your dream can also be someone else's dream and you don't get that often and I also feel like what you put out there you receive so yeah we've had some you know interesting (laughs) employees and you know as as every business does but that the good employees outweigh all those moments and learning how to I always tell the girls, I think, and they laugh at me all the time. And I'm like, learning your weaknesses is your biggest strength. Ooh, I like that a lot. That's true. Because then you know who to align with. Like, I see one girl and I know what her weakness is. So we put the other girl next to her. So we know that they complement each other. And if you build them to like succeed, that's what you want to do. You want to build someone to fail. 
It's like when your teacher moves the desk so you're not sitting next to your best friend anymore. Because you can't stop talking. The whole time, yeah. (laughs) They like strategically place you with people where you'll actually listen and do your work. You just know who to pair with one another. You just have to watch it and observe and just learn how people are and learn their zodiac signs and what makes them go. And you know what? You're not going to be 100% at anything that you do. You know, I can't write for the life of me. I try, but I'm an emotional writer because I'm a Pisces. (laughs) So I know that that's something I need to hire someone for. And See? that's not a bad thing. Mm-mm. No, it's and actually, and it's also like great for your mental health, being able to delegate some of these responsibilities and not trying to do everything because then you're not really serving yourself or the business. So it's a, it's a win when you can really start letting go a little bit. I'm curious, you've mentioned, you know, having a lot of support, you've mentioned having mentors, you know, starting at even 22, then 26, it's young. It's really young. You've done a lot in a short period of time. What's been some of the biggest advice that your mentors have given you that have really shaped how you handle your business or conduct your sort of day to day? Yeah. So I think one piece of advice that one of my mentors always said to me, and you know, in the last couple of years, we've been through at all almost. And in those moments, I think society paints the picture that failure is a bad thing. But when in society, you don't realize that failure is actually one of the best things that can happen because it can lead you to something good. And when all these bad things were happening in the world or in business, or you're faced with all these challenges, those are really good moments. So be like, okay, this is what's happening. What is the best case scenario and what's the worst yeah and if the answer to your worst case scenario isn't that bad then you're okay that's a good way to look at things and I then like the, and you can take all that information and like my basics biz, biggest success I would say is learning how to pivot mm-hmm. because as an entrepreneur you have to be ready to it just changes so quick you have to be on your toes but yeah learning that in every situation what's the best case scenario what's the worst and if the worst isn't that bad it's okay. There you go. Yeah, it's an easy decision, right? You got to go for it anyway. Absolutely. But you've got to be resilient. You've got to have plan B and C and D, you know, just lined up just in case because you never know. Yep. And being prepared is never going to hurt. So, And you know what? More times or not, you're not going to be prepared because yeah. it happens <laughs> so quick, especially in fast fashion. But I think just having those mentors to go to through this advice, having that group of people to lean on for support, but always evaluating each each situation that, you know, failure is not bad. It's okay. It's probably leads you to where you need to be. Yeah. And just keep going because you can't stop. No, if you're in it, if you're in it, you keep going. Yeah. So you've talked about the, the vibe or the aesthetic of the clothing that you guys sell being, you know, trendy professional, but I'm curious a little bit more about sort of like the inventory and the collections that you guys have, is it more of a, you have like drops where there's certain pieces that come out and sort of once they're gone, they're gone. Do you have long standing items that you're always restocking? What can people expect if they're either shopping online or shopping in the store from you? So we've definitely evolved over the last couple of years on inventory, what we're showcasing, who our customer is. I mean, moving from Dorchester to Milton, it's been a whole new evolving array of people and clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, tonight we have a drop. We do a drop every Tuesday night at 7.30. Oh, okay. And we kind of usually make a collection based off of what has arrived. But in fast fashion, nothing's really planned out. So it's like we have a Tuesday morning meeting. We're like, all right, what showed up today? What is this collection <laughs> going to be called? Let's just hope that there's something there that works together. Like tonight we're doing an opry ski drop and it's all oh, fun neon ski clothes. And, you know, the customer ranges from anyone who's 20 years old to anyone that's like 60 to 80, yeah. which is crazy. So the inventory is fast paced, fast changing. You know, we probably have 15 to 30 of every item, if that, and it showcases in store and online. Wow. Okay. So like if you're interested in something, you got to get it quick because it might not be back. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That's Return good to quick. Know. Okay. And you guys sell everything now. I mean, you have obviously tops, you have pants and jeans, you have shoes there, you have your accessories still, anything else? Are you guys doing, like you're doing, I mean, Opry C, your winter jackets and stuff? We have, we have all sorts of clothing. We have a huge shoe department now. We have 
loads of jeans, jackets, everyday clothes, gift-giving clothes. And now with the Milton store, we actually have a whole home department and gift section, which is what we expanded into uh, a year and a half ago when we moved there. So we have a whole large home department, which is really exciting because we have all our candles there. I know. I'm going to ask you about that (laughs) in just a second. Um, With having such a wide range in terms of who your shopper is, how does the inventory or the style sort of evolve over the years? Because it's not like you're like, okay, well... I'm, you're, no, you're not just pinpointing your demographic and it's not yep. just you. It's And so as you get older, you know sort of how your style changes. There's a broad range. Is it sort of just watching what the current trends are? Is it just listening to your gut and sort of what would I wear? What would I want? And like knowing that's what the people are going to like. How do you decide what you're going to have? So it's an interesting process. More so or not, more so or not, our inspiration comes from listening to what our customers are asking for, number one. Two, we go to the shows and we see what's out there, what their top sellers are. I also go through, you know, social media, Pinterest, all these places and find inspiration. Like what are some like head to toe looks that I absolutely love and how can we come and like replicate that Mm -hmm. with some of our brands that we have. And I think being able to know your customer is number one, the biggest thing. So when we go to market, I'm thinking of, you know, one of our top customers, Lisa, oh my God, Lisa would love this. That means there's 12 more people that would love this. That's a win. Yes. And we'll build outfits off that. Or we go around holidays. If it's, you know, Valentine's coming up, Christmas, we need cocktail dresses, wedding season. Smart. What are the top dresses we want our girls in? And we need options because everyone at the same party can't wear the same thing. So it really comes down to the customer. We have the girls talk to them all the time. They come with us to the buying show. So we know it the customers are saying what the customers want and kind of just putting that all together and pulling things because you see so much at market. I love that it's still, you know, obviously it's greatly successful, but it's still small and intimate so that you have that personal experience. Like the fact that you literally name a person when you're thinking about your shopper, it's not just a generic word that you use to kind of label who your customers are. Like you actually can think of a physical person and what would they like or what would what item would they go for and it just shows that level of care and attention and like that loyalty you know you guys are are giving the people what they want and they're coming back for it I think that's just really special not a lot of companies can say that they can name some of their customers by name I think one of the things I love most and why I wanted to open a small business is I wouldn't be me without them. And these people that come in my store and why it's so emotional and so important to me is one, we get to meet all of them and get to be there for some of their special moments. I mean, I've been in the store when girls have come in and brought their best friends and asked them to be their bridesmaid in our store. We've been there through like baby showers and what their wedding days. We've been there and made them feel beautiful and just by helping them and they become family to us. And I think that's why you shop at a small business that, and where they're giving, you know, graffles to their children's schools and doing all these things. And it's not a business to me. You're helping your family members, you're helping your friends. And that's how we sell because you're making them feel like they're special and beautiful. And I think that's why we do what we do because it's important. Yes, it is. You're definitely leaving this place better than when you found it, you know? And I think that's all you can ask for from people is like, as long as you're just trying to make things a little bit better and not trying to cause any harm, like that's all you can ask for, but you really truly care and you're just making sure that you can help make their experience as best as possible and you're definitely doing it. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. I mean, there was this one time I tell everyone about when I first opened in Dorchester, I had never carried jeans before (laughs) and I found this really cool jean line and I was like, I'm just going to try it. And I was like, don't bring jeans in. It's such an inventory disaster. Don't do it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it because you can't tell me no. And <laughs> It seems like whenever mom tells you no, that's a yes in your eyes. I'm like, yep, <laughs> let's go. And 
this girl came in and she was like, I, I was like, you should try these jeans on. And she's like, I can't, I've never felt beautiful in jeans. I haven't tried jeans on for over a year and a half. Wow. I'm not going to, I'm like, please just try these on. I swear there's something about these jeans that people have just been loving. And she puts them on and she comes out crying. And she's like, I've never felt beautiful in jeans before. She's like, I'm never not shopping here until this day. Almost five years later, she's still with me. Oh my god! And now we have met her kids. She's still in the community. I mean, Ronnie can attest to this. Wow! It's like, yeah, that is, and that's like that's the beauty of it. That's a really cool moment. For You're connected you to, to everyone. Yes, absolutely. And like, what a vulnerable position for her to be in to just kind of trust you when she's telling you, you know, I'm like, oh, I hope I'm doing the yeah, right thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was a risk, right? She could have came out there and said, nope, I was right. I hate jeans. But you know your product, you know what you're talking about. And you totally flipped her perspective on things. And I'm sure really built up her confidence, which is really, really cool. That's a good I just story. want everyone to feel beautiful. I mean, you can probably agree to this. There's nothing more empowering than putting on an outfit, and whether you're going on a date, whether you're going to a oh, business yeah. thing and being like, wow, I feel good tonight. I like feel confident yes. in my outfit. It changes your perspective. If you don't feel comfortable in what you're wearing, you're like in a mood. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's so funny. We were talking about sort of work from home and stuff. And my boss is always like, I put on jeans and at least a sweater, like a top something, because I feel like I have my work hat on when I'm dressed for work. And I know it would be so convenient to just keep my sweats on and, you know, just hang out at the house and I don't have to get dressed up or worry about it. But I feel good when I get put together and then I perform better. And it's really true. And it's like you said, same thing for like that date, that event, when you just feel like your outfit, like it's just, it's right. Like any you when have it a fits different right. confidence. Yeah. And you put it on and it fits right and the quality is good and you're just like, yeah, I got this. Yes. Do you ever have those moments though where you're like, my outfit is great, but I just can like whatever shoe I put on doesn't work. Like how do you do... Well, how do you handle those situations? Because I feel like that's what will happen to me. It's either I love the shoe and I can't find the right pant for it, or I love these this outfit, but I don't have the right shoe. And then I'll get totally hung up on the little details like that. Do you think that there's certain rules of thumb when it comes to things like that? Like, are we just overanalyzing it and need to I think not we, worry? I think just, I just go with the flow. Yeah. I'm like... Whatever is like in front of me, I kind of throw on and go because I'm in clothing all day long. Yeah. But I think the rule of thumb is go with what you know. Go with what's like your number one choice because you're always going to feel the most confident in that. I always usually tend to wear black or jumpsuits as I'm wearing right now. And you look great. If you guys aren't watching this on YouTube, she has a very sexual <laughs> denim jumpsuit on. It's my utility I jumpsuit. <laughs> I love jumpsuits. It's one outfit. You only have to think once about what you're putting on. It's so true. It's so nice. I think I think I was born in the 60s. I should have been wearing jumpsuits every day, but I'm trying to bring them back because I think you just have to think about one piece of clothing. It's smart. Efficient. I like it. Yeah, I'm on the go. I'm making <laughs> candles all day. I can't be in anything else. Yes. Okay. So let's get to the candle. Ah. So this is a newer division or arm for you, business venture, Riley Lane, correct? Correct. So tell me a little bit about how Riley Lane came to be. Yeah. So I think what people do and don't know is I actually started making candles a little before the pandemic to help my anxiety. And my doctor was like, I don't know, do you love doing something creative? And again, my mom hates every time I get a hobby, it turns into a big business. So she was like, please don't do that. So I started selling when we were in Dorchester and I was like, you know, I always wanted to be the OPI nail polish namer, but I have no idea how you get that job. Wherever so, you get that job, let me know. I let thought it would be, know. I thought it would just be fun. So we started making, I started making candles in my apartment, setting off the fire alarm all the time. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep pouring these. I might as well sell them because what am I gonna do with all all this stuff and people love them in Dorchester so we started doing them in Milton and that's where it kind of just took off really quickly we sell about 200 candles a week and it got to the point where we started being one of the largest private labelers in Massachusetts for candles because we're woman-owned we're made here um, at our warehouse 
And that's insane. We are making almost 700 candles a week right now in prime season for, you know, nonprofits um, with our give back and stuff. But it got so big to the point where my insurance company was like, all right, you can't have shop the queue on that. It needs to be a different division. And yeah, so it came with a lot of things. So you needed a different division. We had a lot of boutiques reaching out to carry the candles, but no one wanted to carry a candle with another boutique's name on it. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, let's go to the drawing board. So I was like, Ronnie, I'm going to work with you all weekend. And by the end of this weekend, we're going to have a name figured out. Yeah. So all weekend we spent, you know, three full days together and we just kept talking back and forth, trying to figure out what it possibly could be. And about two years, I believe ago, my grandmother passed away. And when she passed away, one of my first employees that worked for me, Brie was like, you know, when you have kids, your first daughter should be, her name should be Riley Elaine, but we should call her Riley Lane. Cause my grandmother's name was Elaine Riley. And so so a customer had come in, we were telling her, I was telling her the story and Ronnie looks over to me and she's like, that's what it is. It's Riley Lane. It is your first child in a way, right? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So that's how the name was born because we wanted to do something that didn't just justify, it was just a candle because we do room sprays and we wanted to be able to grow and venture into other things. And we were like, what would the home store be called? And I was like, oh my God, it's Riley Lane. And my grandmother's favorite thing about everything in life was being at home with her family. So it's Riley Lane, all roads lead home. I love that. That is really, really sweet. But everything should be connected to something that, to, you know, represent how you got here. And I think one of the biggest things I always try to teach the younger girls or anyone really in business is, even when you grow as big as you grow, don't forget the people that helped you at the beginning. Stay humble. And my way of doing that is naming things after people that and honoring them. Yeah. for who's Because you can't give time back. You can pay anyone back investment and stuff, but you can't give people their time back. Yeah. I mean, when you're putting your blood, sweat and tears into these businesses day in and day out it's also like a nice little reminder of why you're doing it and who you're doing it for and you know you have the queue is your hometown and now you have a tie to your grandmother and especially after her passing and now it's gonna live on forever and you're you know really able to to not that you didn't already make her proud but like really get to honor her namesake in a way that shares her story for not just your family but for the community, which is you're all about the community as well. So that's awesome. I love that. And so now you have the candles in other stores as well. So for 2023, they will be ending up in more stores. I think right now our biggest thing was getting it through quarter four. We had, you know, over, I think, 15 accounts doing private labels. The list is growing still to this day with Christmas in two weeks. And we do a lot of, you know, give back candles and collaborations. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I can't wait to see what comes. Do you have a favorite scent out of your candles? I think it changes every season because we always launch something new. And I think what really gets it is what the name is. I would say- (laughs) It's all about those names. (laughs) It's all about, because you can relate to it. (laughs) I think one of our favorites is we have apple bottom jeans as our fall scent and our Christmas scent is Boots with the Fur. So you do like the Uggs. You do do like like the the Uggs. Uggs. I mean, I have a pair, of course. They're comfortable. <laughs> I love that. That that That's a throwback. Yeah, That's so fun. And then we have, I think, one of our new favorites right now is Wanderlust. I really love that one. Oh, that sounds mystical. It smells like Magical. a hotel lobby. Seriously, making these candles must have been so cathartic, like the essential oils and just all of the wonderful scents. Um, It just becomes like... Other than burning your house on fire. <laughs> I've said that fire off so many times, but I think what happens too is like you make so many of them. I just walk out of there so frazzled because it's so many fragrances and you're just like, I mean, we're pumping out 200 candles a day. So it's like, you don't even think you're just going, going, going through the steps of it all. Yeah. Speaking of going, 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 I'm curious what the day is in the life of Lindsay looks like. Mm -hmm. Walk us through as a business owner, when you wake up to when you go to sleep, what a typical day normally is like. 
Sure. So I think right now, this year, one of the biggest things I've tried to do is the first thing I do every morning when I wake up, I've been going to do workout classes at 6 a.m. I used to put it to the end of the day, but then I'd get too tired. And then with the way the growth of the business is right now, the amount of anxiety I have, I think doing it first thing in the morning and making it my priority, yeah, it just sets a better tone for the day. And it just gets me to my the mindset I need to be in. So that's the first thing I Start do. Start the day I'm, off doing something for yourself. Like that's, yeah. so, that's a great way to set you up for hopefully some like tranquility, you know? <laughs> and just getting it all out so that you can take on anything that yeah. day because oh, yeah, so much happens. so easy to blow it off then at the end of the day after you, you had a shit day, forget it. Forget about it. Smart. Okay, so we go to the gym. We go to the gym and then... You know, let's just go with a Tuesday, right? Because okay. that's what we did today. Okay. And then every Tuesday morning, me and my managers, we have a 9 a.m. meeting to kind of kick off because that's the first day that we're all together because some people have Sunday, Monday off. Some people have Friday, Saturday. Okay. It kind of differentiates. And so Tuesday is the first day. It's our Monday. And we sit down. We plan out the week. We plan out the month. We plan out the quarter. What does the collection for Tuesday night drop look like? Because we shoot it then and there. Um, and kind of roll through all that. Everyone makes their notepads of what their to-dos are. And then I go to make candles for the whole day and answer emails and phone calls and hopefully pitch the next candle line to someone. And my phone just goes off all day long. Um, (laughs) And eventually I dig myself out of it if I can. Yeah. And it's just making these candles, making sure like everyone has what they need to be successful in their positions that day. And running in to see what the Tuesday drop shoot looks like with Ronnie, making sure Lily's good at the store with everything that they have in coming there. Mm -hmm. And then also in between all that, shipping out all of our goods from our online, because I usually work at the warehouse that we have in Canton. So you're still very hands-on, you know, even though you're in the weeds of everything, which again shows how important it is to you. You know, you, it's nice that you have the support and the help, but you don't want to be just like looking at paperwork and answering emails all day. You want to physically be there, look at the product, meet with the team, help them out, see where they might need you. You're not just a, you know, person behind a screen or a phone you're they have that FaceTime with you oh yeah I think that's one of the biggest important things to me is being hands-on being there I mean watching it grow being participating and you know still at the end of the day like I always say I will do every part of every job until it needs an employee so that I know how to help them. I know how to create systems with them. I know how to do it. It's just like if you were to go open a restaurant, mm-hmm. you should be the bus boy just as much as you should be the manager. Because yeah. you need to know how they're thinking, how you can support them, how to help them, and how to grow the business from the ground up. Not just walk in and be like, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. I completely agree. I just saw an interview with Kristen Cavallari talking about Uncommon James. And that was the thing that she said she was most proud of is that when her business got started, she did everything. She was like, I was printing labels and shipping them. I was going through like the floor and selling it on retail, like actually selling it to customers. I was doing this, this, and this. So that now when my employees have a problem, I actually know how to answer it. And I understand the challenges behind it rather than, and some of these, you know, CEOs that are just like, well, figure it out. That's what you're paid to do. You, They don't really know the severity. Is this a big issue? Is this a small issue? They don't have any suggestions that they can help offer you. So she said that was like her biggest thing. So it does a lot. You're I, like-minded with some of the most successful business owners. I just think, you know, no one's different than the person sitting next to you. You're going to see me take the trash out probably every day. Yeah. And so should an every employee because you still have to stay humble. You have to understand what they're going through and you're going to have growth challenges. You're going to face things. I never thought I would have three, four, five em- full-time employees. Like that's the craziest thing in the whole hotel world, but they're like my kids. <laughs> like, and we treat, I always say we treat each other like family. Cause if, if someone needs help, whether it's your responsibility or not, we help each other just like you would help your sister, yeah. your brother. And I also have a no drama policy at my store. Tell me about it. What do you say to people when they get hired? I say, what's your Zodiac sign? <laughs> we don't have drama here. You say you drama, you're automatically Zodiac out. signs you don't hire? No, not really. It just okay. teaches me who they are yeah. and like how, how to work with them. But I also can like feel, being a Pisces, you feel their energy yes. and stuff. So you can just tell right away all that kind of stuff. 
But at the end of the day, you know, someone can do their job or they're not, or they're going to understand a small business. You're going to wear a hundred different hats that you probably didn't sign up for. Yeah. And you need to understand that going into it. Yeah. But the building of a business is the most exciting part. Then next comes the maintaining. And that's kind of just, there's no, I mean, there is excitement in it, but the, the building of the company is probably the most exciting time of a company's life. Yeah. But then letting like, you know, that with those one-on-one experiences with your customers and stuff, I mean, that is super rewarding. So yeah, it's the best place to be in our company right now is the store because it's, you're connecting with everyone and you're seeing all your work you put in what their customers are like appreciating and they totally tell you everything when you're there. (laughs) It's like when you're getting your hair cut, you know, and you tell your hairstylist everything. What are the hours for the store? So the store is open Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 6, and then Saturday through Monday, 10 to 5. Okay, nice. Those are good hours. So you're, you're open every day at some point or another. Seven days a week, 24 hours <laughs> I'm working. I know, seriously. And we have online too, which is one of our biggest. Um, How is getting that set up for you? Was it? The last year has shrill? been quite the process. We have learned a lot from last November to this year and what a roller coaster ride. We made it, we survived, we're good. It's nothing that I was educated in, nothing that I knew anything about, but there's nothing we can't figure out or can't do. Yeah. So building it, we have a warehouse in Canton, Mass. We have a studio there. We have our candle factory there. We house all the incoming and outgoing products there. We have our conference room there. I have an office I don't ever use there. <laughs> we also rent our studio out to other photographers and content people. And everything kind of operates out of there before it hits the stores more, more times or not. Wow. It's from every angle. Yeah. From every angle you got something going on. I want to also circle back to when we first started about the aesthetic and the style of clothing, you know, talking about being a young girl and maybe some people not taking you seriously. What have you found your experience to be as a woman in business? And do you ever feel like there's either fewer opportunities or more naysayers? Have you had any like sort of negativity at all being a young woman compared to you know being the middle-aged white male (laughs) I think it's a very my story is very interesting who I was when I was 21 22 you know all the way up to 28 how people perceived me and took me in I had to prove myself a lot Mm -hmm. for sure and I had to you know learn a lot but I think one thing most people don't touch upon is women were actually the hardest on me, not men. And my whole mentor basically is all men, which is not something everyone actually has or says. I've asked women um, in fashion, in business and stuff to mentor me. Um, I have two women that supported me, but a lot of people said no. And, you know, women can be nasty. It is. I don't think people talk about it. And that's why I tried, you know, when the younger girls work for me and stuff, I try to be the best version I can of myself because I never had someone that I could turn to and look up to as a woman besides my mom, my grandma that would really be there and help me and guide me. I had all men that were developers or in construction how did you do this? And I can call them anytime, any day, text them and say, how should I handle this? What's your best piece of advice? And they would give me any sort of support they can to get through whatever we were challenged with. That's really surprising. It's very surprising. I wonder what you might chalk that up to. Do you think that there was sort of this fear of sharing a piece of the pie from women or like, why do you think you got that sort of resistance from them? I think in Boston, there's not a lot who do at the time what I was doing. So always there's that competition side. Yeah, I think if you don't compete with them, they were more welcoming, but a lot of women didn't like, there's no woman I could call. Like I call my mentors that are men that would answer and be there for me as quick as they are. Yeah. That blows my mind. I it, mean, well, it shocks a lot of people when I tell, because a lot of people think, you know, it's all women support women and all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that, and I want to 
be there. But I think that's why to me owning my businesses and I say to the girls, I could just have my store and have, live this happy life. But then I meet awesome people like Ronnie and Lily and all these girls. And I'm like, now I'm the example to you guys. So now I have to do the right thing and educate you and build you girls in these proper ways and teach you things anyway from life to business that no, I didn't have someone for. Yeah. And I have to be that for everyone. And so that, that not only am I owning a business, but I also have to live this life to be an example that I didn't have. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry that you had that. It's experience. not sorry. I think everything happens for a reason. And I, yeah. I think it's interesting that what you see in society, but all this girl boss stuff and all that, you know, I've met all of those celebrities. I met Sofia Amoroso and all of that. And I didn't get that feeling when I met her, which was really let me mm -hmm. down. Cause I was like, that's what we're supposed to be like, go girl. Right. And it wasn't really that. And I think men are more, can be a lot more welcoming than women have been in my experience from what I've been through. Well, I'm glad you didn't let it discourage you. Okay. You know, you kept pushing, you kept moving forward. And I also love that it did not change how you chose to conduct yourself. You learned from that experience and said, I'm going to make sure I do the opposite because you don't want to leave that same impression on other women. But I'm really glad that you are here because that's what this show is all about is supporting other women. So yes. You've made it to the right place, darling. We love being here. <laughs> I'm so excited because I think there's a lot to do and a lot for our generation of what examples we can set. And I always yeah. say, you know, you can't choose the challenges that you're handed, but you can choose how to handle them, move forward, right? Yes, that is right. So all these times you get all these challenges and it's like with how people handle things, whether it's a yeah. guy or a girl. And I say, you know, they have to wake up every day being that person. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and do something better. And you just got to keep trucking along. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's very similar. Like I always kind of say, like, I can't control how somebody acts towards me, but I can choose how I react towards that. Absolutely. You know? So like, it's always like, remember who you, you are, your character, stay true to like your own conviction. And that's going to go you know, you'll be rewarded tenfold with your karma and the next, you know, phases of your life because I think that people can get bitter and that can kind of chip away at them and then they have that chip on their shoulder. Um, so the people that sort of just want to keep it pushing, yeah, they'll they'll be okay in the end, you know? Well, whoever's supposed to be in your circle will. I that, always believe that. Um, I have a question for you because you yes. said circle. <laughs> Do you feel like your circle, like the people that are closest to you, not just talking about, you know, the store and your employees, I just mean like friends and in general, has that gotten smaller the older you get? Do you think that it's getting wider the older you get? How is it changing in this phase of your life compared to being younger? I always tell the girls, I think they can laugh at me. I go, who you are at before 26 is one person, who yeah. you are after 26 is another person. And I think you have seasons of your life, especially if you're doing what you're doing and you're not growing and achieving as a person, whether it is in professionally or in your personal life, you either grow with the people that are around you or in the seasons of your life, you meet more people. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a world where I'm meeting all sorts of new people every single day. I'm trying to achieve keep my core group of friends super happy and getting time to spend with them. But I'm all at the same time trying to run a business and making sure the girls that work for me have my full attention and full time. So trying to maintain all those different aspects between customers, employees, new people that we're meeting, mentors and friends. I think my circle has definitely gotten a lot more small. I think you can tell who supports you and who doesn't and who's proud of you and who's inspired by you and, who wants to just be there to be there for you. It's, right. it's very interesting where, where I am at 31 and who's around me. Yes. Um, but it's also, I think, really hard for people, a lot of people to understand the amount of work that I deal with on a daily basis. And I absolutely love it and wouldn't change it. And I never complain about it. But to then go home and 
be with another person or yeah. have a friendship and stuff like that. It's like you go home and you're just exhausted. Yeah. You just want to sit in silence and do nothing. Become an Not introvert. Think. I become like yeah. an introvert. I'm like, I don't want to be around clothes. I don't want to talk to anyone. Right, I just right. want to be alone. And it's not personal. It's not personal. But the people who genuinely love you and care about you and support you, they get that and they understand that. That's why I always love people asking people this question because I'm noticing that there's a trend. Yes. Most people are giving a very similar answer that their circle is getting a little bit smaller because we don't have the time for the people that like I'm sorry but it's like nag about like oh well you didn't ask me about this you didn't like you didn't do this you didn't do this like it's not intentional it's not to be mean or hurtful but we're growing we're evolving we have more on our plate yes, yes. and it's not that I don't want to be there for you but when my emotional capacity is maxed out, it's like, I, I can't, I can't give you, I don't have anything else to give. So it, like it's being respectful, I think of when we're at that max and when we need to be able to just like take the me time and allow for the me time. And I feel like the people that get it, get it. And the and people, people that don't, don't. don't. <laughs> and it's, it's an interesting time when you look back, you know, at 31 and you're like, I'm doing a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot. <laughs> and I wouldn't change anything no. for the whole entire world. But it is interesting to everything you're saying. It's exactly that. And I think the people that are in your inner circle should know your heart mm -hmm. and understand that, like, no, that she's doing her thing. Like, yeah. she's running the show. You know what? When she's ready, she'll call me. And as soon as, like, there's nothing more that I want to do is sit down with my friends. But right. I also have people's livelihoods I'm responsible for every single day. And that's my first priority. Exactly. I know I, I used to be that girl that like my text, like, you know, I got a text through my phone and I would answer it right away. I was always, I would respond immediately. Now I'm like two to three business days is when I'll get back to you. Oh and my God. Uh, I don't want to answer you. I just can't. I just can't. Ronnie has this ongoing Instagram story of how many text messages are unread at Lindsay's phone this week. <laughs> I know. I know. My friends always joke around. I'm like, if you need me, you gotta call you me. You gotta call. You gotta call. Because it comes me. up on the Apple Watch while I'm making candles. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got back to that. And I never go yeah, back. If it's a text, I can't confirm that I'll read it. I don't know. I'm with we'll you. See. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, I want to end with one final piece of advice from you. If you don't mind, you can either have it come from sort of the perspective of creating or starting your own business or just in a general piece of life advice where you wish maybe your younger self knew a little sooner or anyone listening that you think they need to hear. I think the one thing that always sticks with me when I was younger, I was always scared of every challenge that I face. And I think, like I said before, society paints this picture that failing, it's like, oh, that's just terrible. It's bad. It's you're doing terrible. Yeah. Where actually I think failing is what moves that away so that something more beautiful and better can let something into your life. And I think being open that, you know, everything happens for a reason and you have to believe in that and you have to see like, okay, that taught me how to learn something that taught me how to appreciate something that made me meet this person. You got to trust that process and be okay with failing because you're pivoting to something more beautiful and better. That's what you're supposed to be on. That is beautiful. I could not agree more. It <laughs> makes me think of, I feel like everyone has seen this at one point or another, mm -hmm. but that picture and not to like I usually try to like avoid like religion, but I think it's a picture of like Jesus or God or whatever. <laughs> and it's like a little kid and he's holding a mini teddy bear and the kid is like, that's, is that for me? And he's like, no, it's not for you. And the kid's like getting upset. Like, why can't I have it? But what the kid can see is behind his back is like an enormous teddy bear. And the whole point of it is to kind of show you that like, if it's not for you or if it doesn't work out, that's okay because there's something even bigger or better that's waiting. It always helps me like put things into perspective when I don't get what I want or when the outcome wasn't what I expected. I'm like, this was supposed to happen because I wasn't supposed to, you know, date that guy, get that job, do this thing or whatever. Right. It's because there's the big ass life-size teddy bear coming for me eventually. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think one saying that I always 
share with people is one me and my grandmother used to sing to each other and it's Kesara Sara, whatever will be, yes. will be. I wear it like every day. Oh. And I think you just have to know that you won't know the reason right away when something you're challenged with or failed or did or worked out for you. But either right away or a couple years on the road, it'll click and you'll be like, yep, I got it. That's why I had to go through that. Yes. A little patience is all we need sometimes. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. And then before I let you go, just go through the social usernames because I know there's a couple. I mean, we have Shop the Q. Yep. C-U-E. C-U-E. Riley Lane Co. Riley Lane Co. for Instagram. Okay. RileyLane.com for the website. Yes. For, I'm thinking for Instagram. And then is there anything that I'm missing? Or is it just those two? It's just those two. And then your what's your personal one? Lindsay Tia. Also, how many times do people come up to you and be like, for my whole life, I thought your name was Lindsay Tia. And then they finally realize it's Lindsay Riley. Yeah. I think everyone just knows me as Lindsay Tia. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm actually named after Tia's right next door. No. Yeah. Did your parents meet there or something? Yeah, my dad was trying to pick up my mom's best friend and got stuck with my mom. <laughs> That's the best story. I love Tia's. But everyone thinks Tia's is my last name. Yeah, I did for a very, very long time. For years, I thought it was. Yep. Wow. Oh, well, I'm glad that I asked. I'm glad I threw that last little question oh, in there. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.